This podcast contains sexually explicit material and adult content. Mature audiences only. Listening discretion is advised. Hey everybody and welcome to Pleasure Playpen Sex Love and Relationship Podcast. I am here with Jewel today who makes pet gear. And she's going to go into exactly what that entails and what exactly pet gear is when it comes to, I would say, I don't even want to say just the sex world, but in relationships and kinks and fetishes, fetish world, it's not probably what you're thinking. So let's, let's get to it. So Jewel, what exactly is pet gear and who's it geared for? Well, when it comes to the kink community, pet gear is anything that helps a dynamic enjoy their pet play so it could be as simple as a leash or collar it could be a full body harness it could be a hood which i do not make yet (laughs) (laughs) or it could be a dog bone gag or cat ears so it could be anything that puts those people in the mindset of i'm a cat this is my cat and that's it or you know dog or whatever is it do you make for every species, so to speak? I can. Currently, I've been focusing on dogs and cats, but I've been like looking into pony play um, tech and such. That gets pretty complicated. Um, and I've also been considering for foxes and wolves and people who identify as dragons, all sorts of different things. So I've been kind of looking into expanding a little bit. Foxes and wolves should be relatively close to your dog play, so that shouldn't be as hard to expand to as opposed to dragons, because I wouldn't even know what to make for a dragon. Right. So I've been asking around the pet play groups and learning about, you know, what people want and need. So why don't we get your definition of pet play, since it's been a while since I've done a podcast on pet play. So pet play can take a couple of different routes. Pet play that most people think of is a cutesy little kitty cat or a puppy dog or a fox. And, you know, they are playing the part of I'm the domestic pet and this is my owner. Oftentimes for a kitty or pup, that includes some playtime, that includes crawling, and that includes um, some discipline, some obedience training. Um... But that can extend out to things like primal play. So then you go into people who identify as a wolf or a dragon. Um, They are not going to be your domestic pet. They just can't be. They are, you know, wolves and dragons are wild animals. So if they identify as a wild animal, you're going to get more into that primal play where there are a lot of biting and scratching and, you know, um, like taming, taming type discipline and obedience. So they're still going to have like a master. And when I say master, I mean more of like a, like we see as a master to a dog or, you know, cat, an owner of sorts, even if even the primal play like that. Right. So, yeah. So usually um, if they identify as some kind of animal, they'll have an owner or they're looking for an owner. Um, and that's how most people see it as an OP relationship, owner pet relationship. Um, there are people like myself who prefer the MS, master-slave dynamic, or DS, dominant-submissive dynamic, um, and throw in some pet play in addition. They're not looking for an owner-pet relationship. They're just, that's something they do on the side. And then there's people also like me who are, who identify as an animal. I identify as a leather cat, 
but have a dominant side or are totally dominant. Um, so I identify as a leather cat, but I am also a switch. So I dominate my guard dog who's in training. Pretty sure if you talk to any of my cats, they um, are the dominant ones in my house. So cats can be dominant. <laughs> exactly. Cats rule the roost. They do. Cats rule, dogs drool, right? Exactly. So what made you start to make these the, the gear that you make? Uh, so I am also a medieval recreationist. Um, I play with the SCA. And I learned probably about 15 years ago, I learned how to do kumihima, which is a Japanese technique of cord braiding. That makes some really pretty stuff. Um, double spirals, triple spirals, herringbone. All sorts of different designs. You can do a design that is flowers and vertical stripes. You can do hearts. All sorts of different things. And I was looking at this and I was like, what can I do with this for a business? Because I want to do something to support the kink community and, you know, people in general. So I decided, okay, if I do a really long one, it looks really nice. Well, what if I just put a hook and a handle on that? And it... You know, if I do it with paracord, it'll withstand pulling. So, okay, there's a leech. Well, you can make a matching piece with that to make a collar. Okay, so I'll start with that. So that was my first thought was leather, you know, uh, making leashes and collars for pets. And I will do that for bio pets and human pets alike. When you say bio pets, you mean like animals that are actual pets? Like biologic right, the pets. actual pets with fur and claws and teeth, and you know the the ones that walk around on four legs. How comfortable are these yeah. uh, these um, collars for either? These I have worn one, and it really just feels like a choker. It really is just because the ones I make for like a collar, because it's not needing to withstand a lot of weight. Those are usually satin retzel cord. Which is a, you know, satin is a very soft fiber. It's very sil silky. Um, so that's what I use for collars. And leashes usually as well. Like my pup's leash is satin red tail cord. It's a black and, black and silver satin red tail. Um, so it's really, you know, it's got that shine. And it's got a lot of um, appeal for the aesthetic. What do you make... So is everything made out of the the knots and the, the rope that you make? Not everything. Um, so your leashes, collars, harnesses, I can do all that with Kumihimo, um, with the braiding. And I can do some other things. But when it comes to, um, for example, I'm working on the design of a bumblebee costume for a bio dog. So a four-legged dog. I could then transfer that pattern over to fit a human to make a bumblebee costume for a human pet. And that would be done knitted. That would be done with yarn versus kumihimo. That is a large costume for a human to knit. Right. So that's why I'm doing it for bio pets. And if I get a commission for one, then I'll take it. But it's going to be expensive and I'll only do it if I have a commission. Is there a reason you chose knitting over other means? Um, I I do loom knitting and it's very accessible to me as a blind person. Um, but I also do hand sewing. And like I said, the kumihimo. And I'm learning leather craft as well. So it's not choosing that one over others is just 
I choose fiber arts, and that's one of the fiber arts I do. Now, if you don't mind me asking, what do you do for a living? Right now, I'm working on that startup business. I'm that's my other than that, I work, I manage a homestead, and that's you know, that's it homestead and crafting. That's funny. You're the second person in the King community that I've talked to this week that has a homestead. I myself am not kinky, but I also have a homestead type thing. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, it's becoming very popular because it's a lot more private yeah. for one thing. So you can do more things on your homestead that you could do in an apartment. Mm-hmm. One, you know, it's like you can shout and, you know, you can shout all to the trees and nobody's going to hear you. you take your dog for a walk. You know what I'm talking about? The human dog exactly. for a walk and not look weird. Yep. My, yeah, my, my dog, my pup can walk around the yard with his collar on, with his leash on. Nobody's going to care. <laughs> There's nobody to see it. Have you gotten any weird requests? Um, so far, no. Uh, um, you know, some, some of them was like, oh, that's a good idea. Um, I have heard from people that they can't find, um, paw type gloves and mitts. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Oh, that's a really good idea. I can do that. Especially in leather. You know, but that's not an unusual request. It's just people can't find them. So, and I'm just getting started. So I'm sure the unusual request will come. Oh yeah. And things will grow as you start to come up with more ideas. Right. Things like that. Now, um, for the loom, I'm picturing the loom that you see in like the 1800s where it's like, the big okay. lines of sh- string and stuff like that is that kind of um no that's a weaving loom oh okay this is a knitting loom it is a usually round but the ones i use are flexi looms which have which means that they can be shaped however you want it is basically a base that is a piece of plastic or wood and it has a bunch of pegs that stick out um so you could have a 14 peg circle or you could have a 24 peg circle and each peg is a st- is where you put the stitches. The basic stitch is just wrapping it around those pegs and then pulling the bottom loop over the top loop. And how long does it take to make like uh, uh, something that you're knitting? Um, if I, I sit down to do it straight out, I can do like I'm working on an eyeglasses case for somebody that is it looks like a watermelon. If I sat down and did the whole thing all at once, it'd probably be eight hours. Oh, wow. And that's just a little project. Um, but that's including adding the lining, adding the decorations. Because, you know, like this is a watermelon case. So the outside is dark green. The inside is like a reddish pink. And then I have to sew little black felt seeds in it. And then add the toggles, which are little half watermelon slices. That's cute. So it's a really cute piece. Yeah, it's it's fun to make. Right now, where are you getting your sales from? Um, well, I don't have a lot of sales at the moment. I'm just get starting out, but um, mostly from word of mouth. So um, people who have heard, oh, you made a leash for this person. I want one like that, but I want it in these colors. Or I want I want a leash, but I want it to be, I want it to have little hearts on it. You know, stuff like that. Or you know, um, I've had people request things that I'm like, I can't make that yet, but give me a couple of weeks and I'll figure it out. You should definitely go on Etsy because I talked to another uh, builder, BDS and builder furniture. And he says, once he posts it, it sells. 
right. it's amazing. And this stuff is three, four, five hundred dollars. So you know, mm. so uh, my plan is to do Shopify, Etsy, and Go Imagine. So I'm working towards that, but I'm working on my official business plan at the moment, and then I will start doing that stuff. I gotta get my profit margin analysis and all that figured out. Well, once you have a link, let me know and I'll post it on, I'll like, okay. I'll go back and I'll post it on the, the, the episode. So even if it's months or okay. now or whatever it happens to be, send me your links and then I'll go and post back post it on there so that we can. Cool. Thanks. The name of my business is, by the way, Petogay, which is P-E-T-O-G-E because my main product is Kumihimo, a Japanese uh, craft. Petogay is shorthand Japanese for petogige, which means pet craft. Hmm. And it also plays off the word pedigree, pedigay, pedigree. So that's the name of the, the company that I'm starting. Now, do people close to you know what you're doing for what you, what you this new job or new uh, company you're making? My housemate knows. Yeah, my housemate knows. And I have a couple of friends who know. Um, in fact, I have a friend who we were talking about yesterday, and she said, oh, I would love to help with that. So I might have an assistant now. Um, and I think I've kind of pulled her over to the dark side to the kink community. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, my housemate is kink friendly, but not kink herself. So, like, my pup can wear her, his collar around her, and she doesn't care. As long as he's not completely nude and, you know, we're doing lewd activities in front of her, she doesn't care. Well, going into, if you don't mind the pet mm-hmm. pace play side of it, what you got you started and how did you figure out that you identify as a, a cat? I've always loved cats. That was a start. So when I was a kid, I lived on a family farm and we had cats. My first cat that was mine, I got when I was 15. Um, I volunteered at a shelter and then she curled up in my lap and refused to let any other cat near me. She would like swipe at them. I feel like that's my lap. And I brought her home because they begged for me to. And you know, so she was my baby. And then, so I've always had a cat in my life. And then when I moved to DC, um, to work there, I started playing with the, um, crowd at the crucible, which is a dungeon up there. It's still around. Um, and going to workshops with the group up there called the black rose, which is an amazing, like awesome group. Like the, the education that they provide is amazing. And then I was, you know, just, Going to workshops and learning about different aspects of the kink community, of the BDSM community. And I learned about pet play. They were doing a demo of a cage scene. I was like, that sounds cool. So I got me some black leather barrette ears from Spencer's, believe it or not. It was part of the Halloween thing. And got me some half-sole dance sandals because those forced me to put my the ball of my foot up in the air which made me walk more like a cat um, and got myself a full body leather harness which kind of reminded me you know that I'm not in charge and I went to the dungeon like that the crucible and you know the more I went the more I found people were interested in me being a kitty cat and that I liked it and you know I break i bought me some toys and I'd go to the dungeon with my fur, my big furry mouse. And there was one time I went to the dungeon with my mouse and was just playing with it on my own. And a pup came over and snatched it away from me. That's the day that I realized I like dominating pups. 
because I chased him around and then smacked him and took my mouse back. And that was hot to me. So how does pet play roll into sex or does it? Or is it just like the precursor to? For me, for most people, pet play is not as much identity. But there are some like me who being a cat to me is more who I am rather than what I do. So it just, it ties into every aspect of the dynamic. You know, um, when I text my pup, my boy, I might send him a cat emoji and he will, you know, he might text back, bow wow. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, his ringtone is a puppy dog barking. When I greet him, when he walks in the door and I greet him, I may, you know, smack him on the face with, with claws out. Just you know, out of play, like a playful swipe. It is part of every aspect of my dynamic. I can't imagine not being a, a, my the cat that I am. And then once you, like if you guys <clears throat> watch and say this, do you and your sub participate in sex or is it just as a dominant? We do have a sexual dynamic, yes. And is the pet play um, involved in the actual act of sex? Sort of, like I might give him a command uh down stay that that would tell him to get on his hands and knees well that's you know or i might tell him up you know giving him commands as i would to a dog patting the bed up that tells him to get up on the bed like you would to a pup so in some ways it does in the act of sex, I don't know that really it makes any difference that we're a pup and cat or a you know a man and a woman. No, animals have sex just like people. I might say that it changes some of the positionings a little bit. You know, I have a fondness for doggy style, but I don't think that's because I'm a cat. It's just a preference for position. Pet play to just someone who wants to wear them as cute ears is a big difference but at the same time you can't you know you can't I don't want to say put down someone who's into pet play or think negatively of them when you have people who walk around with randomly have foxtails on their butts going to school it's like and it has nothing to do with just they wear it because it's cute but do they maybe there's something deeper into it you know maybe there's there's something in there so you can't say well one person can't do this in bed or do whatever when you're letting the other person be okay with walking around doing the same thing right and that does bring up another topic is public play with non-consenting vanilla people is a big no-no i have to agree with that so walking your pup down the road past a public park where there's children playing i do not condone yeah, there's some people that will, will do it. And so me as a phone sex operator, I will tell guys all the time to do like public humiliation things. But one of the things I don't like them to do, it's kind of, they don't, the public doesn't realize what they're doing. They know what they're doing, but the public doesn't, right. you know? And I had one guy who was like trying to masturbate while he was going through a checkout lane in front of the lady. And I go, don't do that. Just don't. It's just like, even as fan, if you want to do it as fantasy, it's fine, but don't actually do it in real life. No one wants right. to be a part of that. They're not asking to be a part of that. That's just rude. And, you know, it's not something everybody wants to see. Some people are fine with it. You go to Las Vegas and you walk down the street and the strip. I lived in Las Vegas, so I can definitely say this. And you walk with a, with a pup, you're fine. There's not a big deal. 
but or San Francisco. Exactly. But at the same time, as you said, you're not walking by a a playground with school kids. You're walking by right. adults. There's certain. There's certain, not going to be a lot of kids on the strip. Yeah. I lived in Vegas for six months myself, so yeah. I have a little understanding of that, and I'm glad I'm gone. But <laughs> <laughs> you got to choose where you where you where you go yeah, to show yourself. Definitely. Because I you get know, wanting to go out in public because this is who you are. But. You know, walking into a dungeon. If I walk into a you know, you, you know a, a public dungeon that's public to the kink community, people who walk into that dungeon know what they're getting into. They are open to anything at that point that they consent to. So, like you know, they're not going to consent to you walking up to them and touching them, but they should expect to see anything. Yeah. So. In a dungeon, I am happy to be tied up in a cage and row, 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 you know, but I'm not going to do that tied to a swing set in a playground. Mm-hmm. Not happening. So, And I think that's a huge issue is we want to keep things safe, sane, and consensual. And you know what? That's for every aspect. I always say you don't want to even go and make out on the street. Just a regular person, whoever, whatever sexes you are, make out on the street. Because not everybody wants to see that. There's certain right. things that just don't, just there's a time and a place for Pick where your location is from where you're making. Right. And there are forms of PDA that are totally acceptable. Peck on the kiss, you know, peck kiss or holding hands. People are okay with that. Wearing cat ears. No problem. People just assume you like to dress up in cutesy things. Walking on all, you know, crawling on all fours attached to a leash or a, uh, somebody mentioned a walker harness the other day and wearing it in public. And it's like, um, people are going to wonder and people are not consenting to seeing your, there are things that are kink that are okay. And there are things that are kink that are, you got to get consent. So you're not going, well, some people will, but you're not going to have sex behind a bench in the park. Some people will, but that's a totally (laughs) different thing. But in the middle of a dungeon, you know, there's a chair there. You might just walk over there and have sex because people there consent to that kind of thing. So consent is a very important topic. um, And people need to understand that unless somebody is in a kink event, you can't assume that they consent to anything. Even just a picture or... You know, walking up to them dressed in your latex bodysuit. You can't assume that they are consenting to that at all. But in the country, when there's when we live almost on a dead end, there's nobody to worry about consenting. Exactly. <laughs> the eagles don't need to consent. <laughs> well, thank you, Jewel, so much for sharing your newfound business with us and your kink as well. And um, definitely send me that link so I can get it on them whenever you get comfortable. If anybody wants to reach out to me, I can be found on FetLife as Leather is Period. Perfect. Which is a refer- reference to medieval times and in the SCA we think we say th- things were period if they were extant and they were present in that time. So mm-hmm. Leather is Period has a little story behind it. I won't get into it, but somebody... Well, perfect. Thank you again so much, and I hope you have a great day.